Heavenly Father, this story has such a powerful, powerful message for us. And I'm asking you to help me get out of the way that your word would come across. May my familiarity with it not be a detriment, but rather an entry point for your spirit to work. So help us to hear this story with your heart, with your mind, with your ears, and your spirit transforming us, even as Christ came to do. Unto that end, Heavenly Father, may the words in my mouth, the meditations in our hearts, and the thoughts in our minds be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord God, you are our strength, our rock, and my Redeemer. Amen. This word, Jesus says, good, we use the word good kind of like interchanging with the word nice or fine, but in some situations, fine does not mean the same thing as good. And uh, some, some might say, is that an inside joke? No, it's just between husbands and wives, boyfriends and girlfriends, when fine doesn't mean good. So... Maybe sometimes you, you uh, see somebody walking along you know and you say, boy, I hope you have a, a good day, right? How you doing? I'm fine. Boy, it sure is nice out today, right? And so when we read the text here and we run into those words, all those thoughts come into our mind about what Jesus is saying. <coughs> However, I want to share with you something that Jesus is not speaking to Martha about the kind of good nice or fine that we would describe a meal or a day or the weather. It's a much different kind of scenario. You say, well, well, doesn't good mean good? No, it does not. And I want to share with you and offer to you something out of Luke chapter 18, just a few pages over, a few chapters over, if you will, from where we're at. When a man comes up who's very wealthy and asks Jesus, what he should do to enter eternal life. And what he says is, Good Master, what shall I do to enter eternal life? And here's what Jesus says. He does not answer the question directly. Rather, he says, Why are you calling me good? Nobody is good save one, and that is God. Hear that? Nobody is good except one, God. And that's it. Now that's a trick question for this man. Because if the man knew who he was talking to, he would have said, Ah, but you are God and His Son. But he didn't say that. Didn't acknowledge Him as such. So Jesus is acknowledging the word here that is called good, referring to God as the only that's good, is the word agathos. The way it's spelled on the front of the bulletin there is agathos. It has a very, very close relationship to the word agias, which is A-G-I-O-S, which is also a close companion to agape. Meaning, this is a God-type good. So when he says, you're a good teacher, you're the godly type from God master, And he says, why are you calling me good? Just call God good. Just call me master or Lord or just call me friend. And and the man doesn't understand why he corrects him. 
Well, when Jesus is talking to Martha, he says, Mary has chosen the God good type part. And you say, well, what's the other kind of good? I'll share with you a few chapters before our passage today in chapter 5, the story of the parable of the sower. Do you all remember that one? The sower went out to sow, scattering seeds. Some fell on rocks, pathways as he scattered, he just flung it, basically. That's how they did it. Some landed on uh, thin soil. It's in chapter 5. I have Luke chapter 5, and that's not right. And he talks about the, that's supposed to be chapter 8, I'm sorry, I can't read my own writing. Imagine that, yeah. I've had conversations about my writing, it still doesn't get any better. He's talking about the sower, and in the verse uh, 8 it says, Other seed fell on good ground. This word good is the agathos, good. Some seed fell on the good ground, some fell on thorns, some on a rock, and some were uh, on the wayside. Now, the disciples ask him to explain this. And you would think that what he says would match up with the parable exactly. But listen to this. He's explaining the soil that fell on the good ground in verse 15. This is Luke 8, 15. He says, On the good ground the seeds that fell are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. The word for good ground there is not agathos. The word for good there is the word meaning honest or true. Something that's been tested and proven it's worthy to plant a field. Like, for example, if you're going to build a farm like Larry Joe or Hubert or anybody who's trying to grow, you don't just pick a field you've never seen before and go, let's try this one, let's put our livelihood into this. You test it, you prove it, you make sure it's a safe place to do all that. You don't just make an assumption, yeah, this will grow. I did that this last summer in the garden and I had hardly anything grow. And I only moved things 15 feet from where they were the year before. I got hardly anything out of it. Well, I got a lot of weeds because they grew real well where the stuff was last year that grew well. And I still got weeds. Last year I had a lot of watermelons. This time I got one. This little. And another one that I had to pick before the frost that was that little. That's it. And last year, on the other side of the garden, where the tomatoes that don't grow this year, they were big. And the tomatoes, which were where the watermelon are this year, the watermelon didn't grow, and the tomatoes didn't grow. They were in different places. You'd think I would know this, right? I didn't know that. I thought all ground was the same in a 40-foot square plot, 40 by 40. It's not. I didn't know this. And the field and the way we tended it was different this year. I thought it would be better. But guess what? If you don't know your field, you don't know what kind of crop's going to grow there. You don't know if it's a proven piece of land. Well, I've proven either the land's bad or I am at gardening. I'm not sure which. I guess I'll find out next year when I put this stuff back in the places where it was last season. Hopefully, I'll get something worth eating 
and corn ears longer than that. I had six kernels of corn out of 60 plants. <laughs> it was ridiculous. I'm not kidding. I mean, and that one was worm infested. They wanted all of them, so they... I don't know. I don't, I don't like that. Well, anyway, so he says that good ground is a kind that's, that's ready. Hear this. In this parable of the solar, there's some ground that's not ready for God to speak to yet. There's some people who don't want to hear anything about God. There's some people who, who as soon as they hear it, they just brush it completely off. It's taken away right away. But this honest ground, this proven ground, he says, that ground is a ground which has an honest, and that's that same word as that word good we just talked about, or ready heart, and then it says, and a good heart. And this time, the good is agathos. Three components. Fertile ground, ready to be used. Our lives have been tilled, nurtured, ready for the good seed. Sometimes we're not ready yet. And, and I hate to say that, but it's like shooting a shotgun. Because that's what it's like. You can't just say, okay, you're ready, boom, there. You don't know who's ready. So you've got to put the word out liberally. And I don't mean like a liberal. I mean widespread. All over the place. Everywhere you go, because you don't know who you're going to hit and who you're going to miss. I'm talking you don't know who God's working on when you share it with Him. You may think you know and God may tell you, but it doesn't mean that there's not other people who, when that word hits them, it might begin the process of getting that ground ready. So when that heart has been proven, it means that heart has found out it's ready for something different. It's ready to transform into what God wants it to be. Some people say, I, I, you know, I like God, I love Jesus, but uh, I can't do mission work. I can't talk about that. I'm too nervous. There's all these different reasons we give why we're not yet ready for the next thing God's calling us to. But the word for good heart, you might say, well, that heart, Jesus said nobody's good but God. What he's talking about is a heart that's ready for God. There's a good heart. There's a good time. A God heart. A God ready heart, if you will. And Jesus says those are the seeds that produce great fruit. Because they're ready and hungry for something different. And so when he's sitting there with Mary, and she's at his feet listening, Jesus says to Martha, she's seeking this God thing. Because her heart's ready. But listen to this. There's something else he says to her, and this is where I think this story really takes off. When he speaks to Martha, notice that he's complimenting Mary for her choice. He doesn't say it to Mary, he says it to Martha. He's defending Mary's choice of himself. Wait a minute. Do you mean... That I don't have to defend my belief in Christ. Christ will stand up for me. Absolutely. He even says, if you'll def uh, confess me before men, I will confess you before the Father. I will support you and encourage you and you will have an advocate in me. A go-between, if you will. A mediator. Someone who's on your side. But he also says this. And I, this is probably my favorite part in this story. 
He says, this one thing will not be taken from her. It sounds nice to say, well, this won't be, this moment with Jesus won't be taken. It's not what he's saying at all. To get an insight into that, in John chapter 10, Jesus is talking about the good shepherd. And he says, I'm the good shepherd. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers. He's the door of the sheepfold. And the thieves and robbers are trying to get in to take his sheep and he won't let them. And this is what he says in verse 10, that the thief's coming to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. I'm the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. You understand the thief is coming to kill, steal, destroy. It sounds like the thief could be very successful at getting the sheep if he's good at it. But hear what Jesus says to Martha in the correct term. What Martha doesn't see is what Mary is getting cannot be taken from her by the enemy. Because Jesus is protecting that relationship. Jesus says this will never be stolen from her. The word is never stolen. No thief can take it. No thief can destroy it. And no thief can kill this off. Nothing can take that relationship that Mary's developing with Jesus right there. She has something that is permanent with Christ. Her heart is a good heart. It's a God-ready heart. And Jesus says when it's a God-ready heart, that becomes a permanent change. She is transformed and she can't be untransformed because Christ has become real and is fit inside that God-sized hole in that God-ready heart. That's what this is saying. And I, I really think that when we think about what our world teaches us is that God is an answer. God is a possibility. And, you know, we all have a little bit of God in us because we love. But I have to share with you that Jesus says He is the Son of God and the only way to get to our Heavenly Father who is love and the source of all love. God is Spirit. We've talked about that. And those who worship Him, which is what our series is about, is worshiping Him in spirit and in the truth. Here is the spirit and the truth of God being reflected in Mary saying, I know that he's probably hungry, but I've seen him feed 5,000 with a piece of bread. I don't think he's concerned about what he's going to eat right now. I think he's more concerned with my state of being. That's why he says to Martha, you're concerned with a whole bunch of stuff. And that whole bunch of stuff is going to be taken one day when she's no longer alive. Nobody's going to care how clean the tablecloth was in a moment when you could have been seen at the feast of Jesus. Nobody's going to care if there was enough paprika or nutmeg or whatever you put in the thing you're making for Jesus if you don't have that relationship with Him. She was the host of the King of eternity. And so she wanted it just right for him. 
Well, guess what? She can't. She doesn't have an agathos ability. Only a God-shaped, ready heart can make things right for Jesus. And that's what Mary had. Some say this is the Mary that cast, Jesus cast seven demons out of. Some say this is the one that was a licentious woman in prostitution. Some say that she was just a bad seed. But Jesus delivered her from all of that. And I share with you this. That Mary didn't care about her past or what Jesus wanted to eat in that moment. What she cared about was that her God-sized heart was getting filled. That's all she cared about. And she wasn't worried whether Jesus wanted to do it. He was doing it and spending this intimate moment. I know what I want to say to Martha. I want to say two things. Number one, she's getting Jesus right now. Letter. She may never get this chance again. She's ready. So is he. The second thing is, give him a piece of bread. He'll make the whole meal out of it. <laughs> Don't worry about the rest of it. He's the one who created you and made you. He knows what you need. Find out who he is. You may not know what he's hungry for, but he knows what you're hungry for. Think about that. He knows what you're hungering for, what your heart desires. If it's a God-ready heart or not, he still knows. There are many things in this life you can lose. You can lose finance, your health, your home, your friends, your family. You can lose it all. But there's only one thing that can't be stolen from you. And that's your relationship with God and the faith in who He is. Nobody can steal that from you. Nobody. So I'm asking you, where's the good? In you. And I do mean the agathos. Where's the God readiness inside of you? And what is that good in you? And why do you think that that good is there? This is not Mary, the mother of Jesus. This is Mary, who didn't know Jesus previously when he met her. In the city of Bethany, here's what Mary learned. And I think this is important for us. We sometimes think of life in categories. Someone asked me, how do I get to Milburn from my house? Well, it depends on what Sunday. If it was the first one, I went the long way. If it was the second one, I went a shorter way. If it was the third or fourth one, and ever since, I've gone the shortest route. How do I get home? Well, every now and then, if I have time and we want to explore the countryside, we take a really long way. We might end up in Melbourne. Sometimes we don't intend to. Sometimes we'll go through Fancy Farm Up. Sometimes through Lowe's and Bowes and all that mess. Just to see which is quicker, but it's always the shortest. There's always another way we can take. But I share with you that Jesus Christ, when he proclaimed who he was, he said, he is true. 
He is life in His way. He doesn't say a way. He says the only way. There is no other solution. No other answer. Mary found that out. Martha wasn't thinking about solutions for anything but dinner. Is Jesus a way for you? Or is he some prophet, some guy who's pretty good? Or is he actually the risen uh, Savior who's come to bring you new life and to make your life make sense so that what you have can't be stolen? The peace that God gives and the joy and the heart cannot be stolen from you. You can go through the most miserable situation but you still know God is. And you still know that you belong to Jesus Christ. That can't be stolen from you. You may say, I don't believe it anymore, but it can't be stolen from you. Nothing can take that away from you. When I came to Christ Jesus and I had that peace wash over me, I knew from that moment forward and to this day, I still know I have no fear of tomorrow because I know who saved me. And I know what I was like 10 seconds before He did. And I know what I've been like every day since without fear of tomorrow. I know this. And I still remember how different that was. And nothing can take that from me. Psalm 51 says, Restore to me the joy of thy salvation. Remind me what you gave me. What you put within me. The hope of glory revealed in me. That your spirit would be manifested in me. That my heart, which is ready for God, would bear the witness of God's Spirit in it and on it, so I would have a good heart. Now you say, wait a minute, but Jesus said nobody's good but God. Yes, He did. But if you look later in Scripture, the word agathos is used to describe people who believe in Christ. Believers are called agathos people. I thought... That's a contradiction. Jesus said, only God is good. Well, guess what? A believer with Christ in him has God. You're agathos. And the works you do are fertile. And the seed you have produces that good in a God-ready heart. And so I'm saying you need to broadcast those seeds liberally like a radio station that goes in all directions. Doesn't say just one radio gets it. It's a radio that's tuned into the frequency. It's ready to hear that station. That's what this is talking about. And so would you rather be busy with life? Or would you rather sit at the feet of Christ and find something that can't be stolen from you you've been hungry for? I'm speaking to about 60 people this morning. And some of us are Agathos ready. Some of us are not. My prayer is that what I share today stays with you. That one day, when you're Agathos ready, you'll go, hey, I remember. I'm ready now. I wish I wouldn't have waited so long, but I'm ready now. There is, and I want to close with this, there's a story I want to share with you about a man who was 74 years old, gave his life to Christ. 
74 years old. 74 years old. And as soon as he gave his life to Christ, he became a different person. He was transformed. People knew it. This man was on fire for God and lived his days out on fire for God. But when he gives his testimony, this is what he says. I only have one regret. That I didn't have 74 years to live for Jesus before now. That I didn't. But I'm making up for it. When I saw this passage and I wanted to worship God, I can only worship from a God-ready heart. Otherwise, it's performance of prayer, ritual, listening, going to church out of duty. But a God-ready heart says, I'm hungering for more of God. And my worship experience is that everything I do is out of that kind of heart. Either a God-ready or a God-filled heart. That's how we worship properly. That our heart's in tune to the frequency of God and the Holy Spirit as He broadcasts at large. Is that so hard? I don't think so. Not only do I not think so, I think God wants you to have a good day. An agathos good day. A God-filled day. So whenever you ask someone to have a good day, why don't you remind yourself that you're asking them to have an agathos good day. Not just an honest one or a regular nice day, but a God one. Why? Because you know it makes all the difference in the world. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father,